hey, there's one thing that I want you to really receive today and believe, whether you feel it or not, there's something that you need to know and that you need to believe because when you start believing it, it's going to change every possible arena of your life. And that is very simply, you are a champion. In fact, the Bible says that you are more than a champion. And again, you may not feel that way today. There might be some things that are going on in your life that would make you feel otherwise, but through Jesus Christ and your faith in him, you are more than a champion, and you are destined for great and incredible things. My name is Jason Bentley, and I serve as the lead pastor here. And before I jump into the message, I just want to take a moment to personally welcome you and thank you for being here with us. You're starting the year off in the best way possible. I'm excited that you're here, and I hope that you've already had a chance to download the free resource that we've made available, which is our app, because in that app, there's a lot of different things that you can utilize that would be beneficial, but today, you can tap into our digital worship guide, which is where you'll find all of the scriptures that I'm going to be sharing with you, as well as some of the big ideas, and you can follow along with us today, and then throughout the week, you can go back and revisit it during your personal devotional time. But we started a series last week to kick off this year called The Struggle is Real. The Struggle is Real. And you might be wondering, how do these two big ideas fit together? The fact that I am more than a champion, but yet the struggle is real. Well, that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how we need to fight for the flourishing life because it's worth it. And I love Sundays, and in fact, Sunday's probably my favorite day of the week, and it's not because that's my job or because I'm expected to say that. I genuinely love Sundays because it affords me two really great privileges, and that first privilege is being able to be with and hang out with all of you, our growing faith family. I find strength, encouragement, hope, inspiration, healing, and freedom when I'm with others. God never meant for us to live isolated, detached, to try to do this faith adventure on our own. So when we come together, I just, I just love seeing what God's doing in your life. And I love when people are praying for me. And when I get to pray for people, I just love to be together. It's a great privilege. It's not one that I, that I take for granted. I love being with you. And the second great privilege that the weekend affords me is being able to open people's eyes to who God really is and what God is really about. You see, sadly, so many of us carry a bunch of false beliefs about God. And religion has hammered into our hearts and minds that God is a certain way and he acts in certain ways, and he views and thinks in certain ways. And so many of us have all of these clouded and just erroneous beliefs when it comes to God. It's my privilege every week to be able to reveal to you more and more who the real Jesus is. Not so that you can just rely on what I'm telling you, but so that I will 
whet your appetite enough for you to go and to begin a genuine, ongoing relationship with him where you will, much to your delight, discover all of the things that I've learned and all of the things that I'm discovering and all the things that I've shared with you. And I want you to know today about this real Jesus, that he has a life in mind for you, a plan, a purpose, a destiny for you that is greater and that is exceeding your wildest dreams and imagination. Like God has something so good, so rewarding, so beneficial to us that the moment we discover it, it it changes everything about our life. In fact, we see the reality that God has in mind for all of us in Jeremiah chapter number 17, verses 7 and 8. And this is kind of where we started last week. So if you're new here today, welcome. It's great to have you. If you missed last week, I'm just going to take a few moments to kind of catch you up to speed. Jeremiah 17 says this, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank. So track with me here this imagery, this metaphor of what God has in mind for your life and for mine. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. This is a picture of the life that can be, that could be, if we'll just stay close to Jesus and fight for it. Be willing to do whatever it takes to stay in the struggle. Jesus comes along a little while later, and in John 10, verse 10, he gives a very clear picture of his personal mission, the reason why he's here. And then we get to see his heart, like who he really is. Jesus says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. The prophet Jeremiah, Jesus himself, God in flesh, he is painting a picture of abundance, overflow, flourishing, fulfillment. While everyone else around us may be in drought, may be hurting, may be wasting their life, maybe pursuing the wrong things, maybe just struggling just to get through every single day, while the people around us may be just all wrapped up in things that don't really matter. Those of us who are making Jesus priority number one, who are really surrendered to him and making him the pursuit of our lives, we have a life that is green, a life that is fruitful, a life that is flourishing, one that's in abundance. And this is what can be for you in 2023. 
this can be your reality this year in every arena of your life, the things that matter the most to you, your marriage, your family, your career, education, just your personal devotion to Jesus, this is what it can look like. And if it does not yet look like that, then you need to pay attention to what God is trying to say to you right here and right now. But I also want you to know this. At the same time that God has all of this in mind for you, and this is his preferred reality for you and the destination that he's prepared for you, at the same time, we are in a battle. We are in a war. And that's why we're calling this series, The Struggle is Real, because I want you to understand that just because you surrender your life to Jesus and say, Jesus is my Lord and leader, I'm going to obey him, I'm going to follow him, it doesn't mean that suddenly everything in your life gets perfect and that you suddenly are now exempt from struggle. In fact, just the opposite is true. You can actually say yes to Jesus and overnight your life be plunged into a battle like you have never ever faced before. But the difference is in the one reality, Jesus is with you and he's going to be working all things together for your good. And by the time you get through that battle and through that struggle, you will be better and things will be better on the other side. But the struggle is real. If you live in the world that I live in, work with the people that I work with, have the same bills that I have, you know this already. The struggle is real. If you're married, have kids, it's not always something out of a Hallmark movie, friends. The struggle is real. It gets dicey sometimes. Things get heated and tense. The struggle is real. And the truth of the matter is, right now, we're trying to make New Year resolutions. We're trying to have it be a new year, new me. I get all of that. And we're now like, what, the third Sunday in? So maybe you've already abandoned those resolutions and just decided that the old you was good enough. I don't know where you are on that whole continuum. But basically, hopefully, the majority of us are still kind of like, yeah, I want things to be different. And so you're kind of fired up and you're being real intentional right now and all that is good. Stay focused, stay tr strategic, stay intentional, stay fired up. Man, I came today fired up. I'm excited about where this year is right now and what God's doing in my life. But here's the truth of the matter. You're going to deal at some point, if not already, you're going to deal with apathy. You're going to start dealing with temptation. You're going to deal with weariness. You're going to deal with deception and discouragement. You're going to face distractions and oppositions. You're going to face and try to manage trip-ups in your life. But this series right here and now is for one purpose. It is for God to speak through me to say to you, when the struggle comes, when the fight comes, do not give up. And do not back down, don't cool off, don't retreat, don't surrender, stay in the fight because that Jeremiah 17 promise, that John 10.10 promise is worth every single moment in the battle. Don't surrender. 
We talked last week, though, how the temptation to surrender is sometimes disguised as the temptation to settle. And some of you guys, in your life, in your marriages, in your finances, in some different really important arenas, you may not be altogether quitting, like you're still kind of showing up, but you're settling. You've decided to settle, but you've got to fight that. To settle means to surrender. You've got to, like we talked last week, you've got to burn the white flag, keep pressing on, and you can't stop growing, you can't stop learning, you can't stop maturing because Jesus has more for you. He's got more for this church. And don't settle for what everyone else thinks is normal and what you've always viewed as normal because chances are that that normal is just a bunch of mediocrity and a bunch of complacency. There is more. There's a life that is flourishing, that is fully alive, that is fulfilled. It's a life of abundance. And this is what you need to settle in your heart today. In fact, this is really the big idea of this series. And it's something that I want you to get deep down inside of you and you never forget it. And that's very simply, anything less then fully alive, flourishing, and fulfilled should be unacceptable in your life. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, anything less than that Jeremiah 17 promise, than that John 10.10 promise, it should be unacceptable. But pastor, what about the fight? What about the struggle? It's real, it's real, it's real. And for many of you, you've thought, well, the answer to the struggle, the answer to the battle is just to, to quit, to exit, to slip out a side door. And we talked last week about how you don't need an exit, you just need more endurance. And the key is, this new year, is just to spend some time training yourself, working on your endurance. And the same way you're going to the gym right now, trying to get in shape, you started off running on the treadmill for like two minutes and 12 seconds, and now like three weeks into the year, you're up to like six minutes and 17 seconds, you're building endurance. If you have to do that physically, it's the same way spiritually. We build our endurance by focusing on heart health. Endurance is connected to training and to heart health. And one way that we develop spiritual endurance and the way that we get spiritually heart healthy is through what we call here spiritual renewal. Being really intentional, strategic, and focused on making spiritual things a priority. Because let's be real, for the majority of our coworkers and the world around us, spiritual renewal is not even on our radar. And then when you narrow that focus down even to Christians, to the church, I know a lot of people that say that they're Christians and spiritual renewal is actually nowhere even on their radar. But if you're going to have endurance, if you're going to have a heart, a spiritual heart that's healthy, you've got to have some spiritual renewal. So that's why every year in January... And in August, our church has 
what's called 14 days of spiritual renewal. And we are right in the middle of that right now. We kicked it off last Sunday on the 8th. So we're seven days in. And this whole time of spiritual renewal is we are, we are positioning ourselves, we are posturing ourselves to get as close to Jesus as we possibly can. We're opening up our hearts and lives so that he can move through us, in us, and around us. Honestly, we're just trying to get as much of heaven, as much of him, as much of his power, as much of his goodness as we possibly can because we believe that that that's the way that we're going to set ourselves up for true success this year is by making Jesus first. In fact, Jesus was the one that said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other stuff will work itself out. So we're doing that right now. We're doing that. They're reading our Bibles. We're going through a daily Bible reading plan. We're praying together. In fact, this morning at 9.30, we had a corporate prayer rally. People came. We prayed. And I want to invite you to next Sunday. We're having another prayer rally right here in the auditorium at 9.30. We're spending time in prayer together because the bottom line is where there is much prayer, there's much power, and we're believing for God to do some pretty amazing things in our families and in this church and in our lives this year. So 14 days of spiritual renewal is a time for us to really kind of bring our faith alive. Some of you have lived with dormant, kind of sleepy faith for too long. It's time for you to set a match to your faith and set yourself on fire and just burn hot and bright for Jesus in a way that you never have before. We're here to help you with that. And that's why if you can take a, a picture of the QR code that's coming up on the screen or it's there in the digital guide, we, on our website at www.waterview.church slash 14 days, we've got all kinds of resources to help you to help your faith during this time of spiritual renewal, take advantage of it. There are, there are worship playlists. There's a link to get into the Bible reading plan. There's all kinds of different things that are meant to help you. And here's the thing. We need spiritual renewal because of what Jesus said about the thief. Remember what he said in John chapter 10? He said that the thief is just to... The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, to, to steal, slaughter, and destroy. And he's talking about Satan. He's talking about the fact that there is an adversary that we're all contending with in our lives, unseen, but still very much real. Satan is at work, and he hates God. He hates God's growing kingdom, and he hates that you are a part of it or that you're thinking about being a part of it. And so Jesus says that there's a thief. His name is Satan. And Satan is going to use whatever he can to steal, slaughter, and destroy the good things of God, the vision of God, the purpose of God for your life. And how does Satan do this? Well, he uses whatever he can, but most often he uses sin. He uses our own selfishness. He uses our circumstances to war against us. And friends, this war, this spiritual war is constant, and it is taxing. The struggle is 
real. And a lot of times we just think that this ongoing war is just a bunch of coincidence or bad luck. Some of us, we say things like it's karma. But none of those things are the reality. It's a spiritual war that is waging in our life. And I pray that you don't tune me out and think that you're hearing a raving lunatic at this point in time because it's not me. This is what Jesus said. Like God who entered into human history, yeah, that Jesus. He's the one that said it, which is why the Apostle Paul, and this is where I want to close out our time together today, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18, this is what he says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. He highlights, the Apostle Paul, knowing that this war is going on, he highlights two overarching qualities that are necessary to stay in the fight for the flourishing life. And those two things are prayer and perseverance. Prayer and perseverance. Now, we are committed to prayer as a church. We are building this church on a foundation of prayer. We had a prayer rally today. We're in 14 days of prayer. We're going to have a prayer rally next Sunday. We're going to come in here together. We are building on a foundation of prayer. But we also need perseverance. Here's the thing, the Christian life isn't about having faith once in a while, but it's about persevering in faith. It's not about having the truth once in a while, but it's about persevering in the truth. You are today, as a believer, as someone that's surrendered to Jesus, you're protected by God in this battle, but you have to learn how to work with him and not against him. So hear me today. If, if endurance is about heart health, perseverance is all about having grit. Grit. Say that with me. Grit. Now for those of you that might be from the south, from North Carolina, from below the Mason-Dixon line, I did not say grits. Because God help us, I am from Ohio, and I do not like grits. Thank God that perseverance is not about grits, because, man, you can cover them in cheese and whatever else you do, and it still tastes nasty. But forgive me, I'm new to the South. I may develop a taste for it. But perseverance is all about grit. So let me ask you this question. When you think about grit, what comes to your mind? Clint Eastwood? John Wayne? Vin Diesel, Bruce Willis, Kim Kardashian. Perseverance is all about having grit. And I want you to know that this daily, this daily battle that we're in, it's got to be filled with prayer and it's got to be filled with grit. And grit is simply firmness of character. An indomitable spirit, resolution, fortitude, strength of will. 
I think we all know what it means. Grit. And grit simply means that you've got guts. Grit means that there is a toughness to your spiritual makeup. And do you know that the Bible teaches us that God wants us to be men and women with grit? But here's the thing. Even if you're from Montana, no one is born with grit. Even if you're employed at the Yellowstone Ranch, you're just not born with grit. Grit is something that we develop. And grit, ironically, is developed in the face of adversity. When you are in the middle of something tough, something difficult, when you're in a struggle, when you're in a battle, that's how grit gets developed in our lives. Grit is something that we can and we should teach our kids. Grit is something that we can choose. We can choose to have more grit, more perseverance, more doggedness. And we start to build that grit into our value systems, our reactions, our decisions, our self-identity. And it is something that people today in the American church desperately need. Because one of the struggles that we face as we fight for the flourishing life is apathy. It's apathy. Apathy is that condition where you just kind of stop caring. You just don't care as much as you used to. And man, by, by what I can tell on, on social media, we are in the middle of a pandemic in our country, and it is a, a pandemic of apathy. There is a lot of apathy in our world. And apathy is the opposite of grit because apathy is all about indifference. Apathy is all about passivity. But if we're going to be fully alive, if we're going to flourish, if we're going to live fulfilled, nothing can make us indifferent to living a life that matters. Nothing. We can't allow anything to make us uncaring about carrying out the plan and the purpose that God has for our lives, but there are always a host of different things trying to fuel our apathy. Do you know that self-pity is one of the things that will fuel your apathy? Do you know that cowardice, just being afraid and unwilling to face those fears, that's something that will fuel your apathy? An inconsistency of emotions, just being all over the place all the time with your emotions is something that will fuel your apathy. And these do not make for the abundant life that Jesus promised us in John 10. This doesn't make for what Jeremiah described for all of us. These are actually traits of surrendering and they have no place in our life if we are going to burn the white flag and stay in the fight. These are the things that we need to reject. Come on, church. we got to reject self-pity. We've got to reject cowardice. We've got to reject inconsistency. And we've got to overcome them through depending on God and pursuing closeness with Him. 
but I also see that it's a challenge because most of your life and most of my life, we've been taught and we have been told that we need to be spending all of this time on developing our gifts and our talents. Like if you're an athlete, you grew up saying, you, you, you grew up hearing coaches saying, you know, Michael Jordan, he'd go and he'd, sh- he'd shoot a thousand free throws every single day. You need to be working on your gift, work on your talent. And we're, and we're constantly being told that the focus of our life needs to be developing our gifts and our talents. And we've also been groomed through this kind of thought process and training. We've been groomed ultimately to really value and to spend the majority of our time on our presentation and on our performance. You know what I'm talking about. Don't you ever just get so tired and even stressed out going to work knowing that they are considering your value based on your gifts, your talents, and your performance and your presentation. Like it's not about really honoring and respecting human beings for being made in the image of God. It's like this company views you as valuable because of what you do. And that's a lot of weight. We carry that. You've carried that your whole life. Got to get an A in the class. Got to be the best in the class. Got to get a better job than my friend. Got to this and I got to that. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that any of that is wrong per se. But listen, in a life that's modeled after Jesus, in a life of faith, where you're going to eventually win, hear me today, grit. Grit is more important than gift. And perseverance is more rewarding than performance. And we know this. Look at what James says. James chapter number 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Jesus in Matthew 24 says, many... Many are going to stop following me and they're going to fall away and they're going to betray one another and they're going to hate one another. That sounds pretty familiar. There's going to be such an increase of the sin of lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others is going to grow cold. That sounds familiar. But then Jesus says, but persevere, have grit firmly to the end and you're going to experience life and deliverance you know apathy apathy has a way of of kind of creeping into your heart but it's going to eventually if you don't root it out with the help of God it's going to start coming out in your words and in your actions and there's there's a few attitudes that might indicate that you need to eradicate apathy in your life so that you can stay in the the fight to flourish. 
Here's how we can all do a, a heart check today. If we're all the time saying, thinking, or believing, that's good enough, or I just don't care anymore, that's apathy, trying, trying to get in. Oh, that's, that's not worth the effort. Who cares? Apathy's trying to get in. The favorite word of every teenager in America, whatever. Whatever. But as adults, we can say it, think it, and believe it too. That's apathy. It's apathy. And we got to get rid of it because it's about grit. God's people have grit. The people that have the flourishing life, they've got grit. And another, another one of the struggles that we're going to face as we fight for the flourishing life is weariness. Is weariness. I thought it was important today as we continued this series to talk about these couple of common things we're going to deal with. Apathy and weariness. And, and weariness is, is particularly dangerous because when you're weary it's easy to put comfort over fulfillment when we're weary it's easy for us to not pursue and press into God and to community and so if it's if it's important like we did a few moments ago to identify what fuels apathy it's just as important to identify the true source of weariness because today I would guess there might be some people here that just feel weary. They might feel weary. But what is the source? we got to know the source. Here's why. If you're not careful, you'll blame your weariness on God and the things of God when it is always something else. Hear me today. Jesus and all that is connected to him, none of it, detracts from your bucket it never makes you weary it only adds to your bucket and we've got to keep remembering that that God doesn't make us a tired people he's called us in fact to rest as we trust in his provision for our lives look at what Jesus says in Matthew 11 he says are you weary carrying a heavy burden come to me I'm going to refresh your life for I am your oasis Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You're going to find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. So if it's not God, if it's not the things of God that's causing our weariness, then what is it? Well, loneliness can cause weariness. Sorrow can cause weariness. Comparison, constantly comparing and, 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 and being in competition when every, with everyone else around us, that gets exhausting. That produces weariness. Keeping up with the Joneses, that causes weariness. That, that striving, that comparison, that competing, that's exhausting. So, how do we stop feigning? How do we stop just passing out from exhaustion? And how do we start fighting? How can we stay in this fight for the flourishing life? Just two things and I'm done. Number one, have the grit to gather. 
have the grit to gather. This is what the book of Isaiah, chapter number 40 says. It says that God gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, God will increase their strength. And then it says, they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. So the way that we stay in the fight, the way that we overcome weariness, the Bible says it's by waiting for the Lord. But do you know what waiting for the Lord actually means? If you read this passage in the original language, in the Hebrew text, they who wait for the Lord actually means they who gather together before the Lord. They who gather together before the Lord. Are you weary? Are you tired? Have the grit to gather. Have the grit to come to God's house with your family and get around people who are in the same fight as you, facing the same struggles of you, who are trying to build their faith the way that you're building your faith. In fact, it's just the opposite of what we are tempted to do. When we get weary, we say, I'm burnt out, I'm quitting, I'm pulling back, I'm, I'm moving away, I, I want to stay home, I want to go out on the lake. But the Bible says, God's Word says, have the grit to gather. They who gather together before the Lord, they're going to renew their strength. And they're going to run, and they're not going to grow weary. The bottom line is this, and I close with this. Grit don't quit. Grit don't quit. Grit don't quit. You know, quitting's an escape. An escape is not the same thing as a solution. If you've got apathy and you're weary, the writer of Hebrews, he gives us the solution. And will you stand with me as we read it together? Hebrews chapter number 10. The writer of Hebrews says, Think back, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ and remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. And do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward that it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you're going to receive all that he has promised. Righteous ones are going to live by faith. And then God says, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away, anyone that quits. And then the writer of Hebrews says, but we are not like those who turn away from God. We are the faithful ones. Grit, don't quit. I invite you at the beginning of this new year to just ask God to put some grit, some grit into your life, some grit into your vision, some grit into your spirit. There's going to be a struggle, but grit don't quit. If you've got the grit that comes through the help of God, we're going to stay in this thing, and we're going to eventually be able to enjoy all that God has for us. Does that, does that sound incredible, church? Like, to be actually able to realize this in our life.
you got to have grit. I'm going to pray for you today that God helps you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want, you can lift your hands in the air as just a sign of surrender. But I just want to pray for you right here and right now that something would happen within us that we would step from a place of disinterest into a place of God, I'm ready for all that you have for my life. And we're going to move right now from a place of apathy to a place where we're just on fire. God, where we are tired and weary, but now we've renewed our strength. Lord, I thank you today for your people. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you are doing in this room right now. I sense that already you are stirring us. God, you are challenging us. You are raising up, God, a mighty army of men and women who are not going to back down, who are not going to cower in fear when, when one thing doesn't go our way or when, when we're having to face a, a bunch of different challenges. We know that you are with us. And if you are with us, who can be against us? We also know, God, that you have made us to be more than a champion, but it takes grit. So give us grit today, God, to your presence and power. We surrender our hearts and lives to you. We make a fresh start so, God, that you can put your character in us and that we can move forward into all that you have for our lives. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's sing, church. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace over this house, over this people. I thank you for what you've gotten started here today. And we just remain committed to seeing it through to the end. Because we know that as long as you're with us, that the best is yet to come. We thank you. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. It's now time for our final act of worship. We're wrapping things up here today. And our final act of worship is when we give our money and our financial resources to supporting God's work for being able to help bring people fully alive, flourish, and live fulfilled in ways that you can respond by worshiping God through your generosity are coming up on the screen. And I just want to mention today that if you were new here today, a VIP, or maybe a moment ago you made a decision when we prayed together, you made a decision that you were going to make a fresh start with God, that something new was beginning in you today, that that you, you made some kind of decision that was going to impact your spiritual bottom line, whatever the case may be, whether that was for the first time or the first time in a long time. Either of these things, we want to be able to pray with you and for you and help you. So be sure today before you leave to fill out the next steps card that's there at your seat. You can drop it off in the box as you leave, or you can take it to the tent in the lobby. And we've got a free gift for you there, so we can help you out every step of the way. But one last time, church, can we just welcome and thank God for everyone here today that was new, that made fresh starts. We're excited about what God's doing in your life, and we're just thanking you for being here. Don't forget, next Sunday at 9.30, we're going to be right here in the auditorium in our prayer rally. It's going to be great continuing our series. And also don't forget, 
launch step two will be beginning just shortly. Be sure you pop in there. It's the next step we hope everyone will take. We love you. God bless. Have an amazing week. Go make your life matter. We'll see you next week.